I want to know who got up this morning at 3 o'clock to watch the Rugby World Cup. Raise your hands. Up high. All right. All right. Good on you for being here right now. I'm not saying good on you for getting up at 3 a.m. to watch the Rugby World, World Cup, but my understanding is in the Viamataha household, there was two at least that got up to watch the Rugby World Cup, and one of them was happy with the result, and one of them was not. So, uh, Anne, congratulations. You're more Australian than Pastor Enneke. So, so, hey, but uh, you're probably pretty tired if you did that, and uh, I'm tired. I'm still uh, getting over jet lag, and I thought by today I'd be well past that. But it's a lot better today than it was Thursday. Thursday, I came into the office, and I was dedicated to uh, study and getting this message done, catching up with the team members and figuring out what all happened while I was gone and figure out what they had messed up that I had to fix now and all those things. Not really. They did a fantastic job, by the way. Thank you, uh, team, for doing that. But by midday, I was pretty cooked. I had meetings and everything, and I was meeting with one of our team members, and I said, oh, yeah, I've got to get back to, 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 to the message prep, and uh, I don't think I can actually do this. And I went on in my thinking, and I thought, there's no way I'll get it all done today, and this message is never going to happen this week, and if it does, it's going to be horrible, and people are going to complain, and then the church council is going to have a meeting right after church, and they're going to fire me. And then we're going to be homeless, and then Deanna's going to leave me. And then my children are going to cut me off from my grandkids because you don't want a homeless man hanging out with your grandkids. I may not have thought all those things, but you can see the cycle. What could happen when you're actually cooked and you start thinking, I can't do something. Do you ever talk to yourself? Actually, I walked in the office the other day and I heard somebody talking to themselves uh, uh, and uh, I actually told them, is this the only way you can have an intelligent conversation? Because they were talking to themselves. What do your conversations look like that you have with yourself? A lot of them probably start in the morning when you first wake up before you even get out of bed thinking, I've got too much to do today. There's no way it's all going to happen. I can't, I can't, I can't. And then by the end of the day, I didn't get enough done. I'm not as good as that person, or I will never amount to anything, or nobody understands me, nobody cares about me. Nothing matters anymore. If you struggle with negative self-talk, then you've come to the right place today. We are in a series called Finding Peace. And we've covered lots of ground in this series so far. We've talked about anxiety. We've talked about burnout and worry and stress and rest. And if you missed any of those messages, I want to encourage you as much as I can, go back to our YouTube channel, our website, our app, and get caught up because those messages have actually been pretty good. And I only did two of them so far, so I'm talking about the other ones as well. Go consume that content and let it affect you because it will help you in this area of finding peace. So if you could have a superpower of any kind, what would it be? Tell the person beside you. Who said Jesus? Yeah. Jesus is a superpower. Yeah. 
He's my superhero too. Hey, you know, maybe you would want super strength or x-ray vision, or maybe you'd like to fly, or you can create fire, you know, through your mouth, or uh, ice, you can freeze people out. Some of you have that gift, I think, already. I think I have a superpower called invisibility, right? Because I stand there and I talk to people and I tell people what I would like and things like that and nothing ever happens the way I think it should. So I'm concluding that I must be invisible, right? Anybody else relate to that? If not, thanks for listening. You're cheaper than counselors. Today, I wanna investigate with you the superpower of thought. Or, as I've entitled it today, the power of negative thinking. The power of neg negative thinking. Look at this verse from the Good News Translation. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. New Living Translation says it like this. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, in this verse, we're going to unpack a lot of that. The word heart means it's the person's seat of emotion or their thoughts, their volition. The knowledge of right and wrong comes from this, our conscience, if you will. That's what the word heart here means. So when good news says, guard your thought, or be careful how you think, that's what it's talking about, your thoughts. And guard, the word guard means to keep, observe, to preserve, or to protect. And then finally, look at the last, sentence, the last phrase, determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. As I was preparing, I ran across this quote, uh, and I, I don't remember the author of it, or it was unnamed, but it says this. It says, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That's another way to translate Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Think about that. Think about that a lot. Because your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your thoughts are a superpower. And you know what's really cool, though, is you actually have more power over your thoughts than you realize. You ever have those stray thoughts? You'll be praying and something comes into your head that's like, that's not prayer worthy, right? right? We have those stray thoughts. But you have power over what you do with those thoughts and where you let those thoughts take you. We're going to investigate that. We're going to unpack that today. Dr. Paul David Tripp said this, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do, right? Again, those people that talk to themselves a lot or a little, you talk to yourself more than anybody else does. All those thoughts in your head that tell you things about yourself. See, thinking, thinking is so powerful. It refers to the, the ability to process information to hold your attention, then to store and retrieve memories, and then to find that piece of information that you need in order to make a good decision. That's something that's called the law of cognition. 
the law of cognition, and it works like this. What we think impacts what we believe. What we believe impacts how we feel, and how we feel impacts what we do. If you flip that around and you start looking at the things you do and you trace it backwards, it's because you feel a certain way. You feel that way because you believe a certain thing. And you believe a certain thing because you think a certain way. Your thoughts are a superpower. I hope I can convince you of that this morning. Your thoughts are a superpower here. But you know, we all have this thing called a negativity bias. You might have heard of that. It's a tendency not only to register negative thoughts and negative input more readily, but then to dwell on it much longer. Negative events in our lives imprint on our brains more quickly and they linger more or they linger longer than positive ones. Think about it. What travels fastest on social media? Good news or bad news? Bad news, sure. When you do something and you get some feedback or you have a certain dress, ladies, or clothes, whatever outfit, men, and you know, you, you look at that and you put that on and then you get five positive compliments about that outfit or that presentation you did at work or whatever it is that you did. You get five positives, but then one person says one thing critical about it. What do you spend the rest of the day obsessing on? The five positives? No, no. You're dismissive of those more, li- more than likely, and you focus on the one critical, the one negative We have a negative bias or a a negativity bias. And then that becomes a habit because it's creating negative neural pathways in your brain. When we started this series, we talked about we're a whole person, physical and psychological and spiritual. So we need to understand those all work together. And your brain actually creates pathways by our thinking. And when you think negative thoughts regularly, guess what? Those pathways become more and more ingrained. It's easy for that to happen. Think about this. How much negativity is in your life? Again, think about social media. Think about your online news feed. How much negativity is in your life? Think about the things your friends talk about. How much negativity is in your life? I actually had a refreshing moment yesterday. I was hanging out with some guys that I officiate uh, gridiron with. Uh, it was between a couple of games. And they started talking about the internet and how great it is and everything. And I thought they were going to start talking about things that they searched for that were negative, like how to fix elections and stuff like that. But they started talking about things like finding old shows like Gilligan's Island. Anybody know Gilligan's Island? Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Or My Three Sons? Yeah, good, wholesome stuff. And they went on for like 15 minutes. And I actually told them, guys, this is so refreshing. You're talking about positive things, fun things. And then I told them, I'm preaching on the power of negativity today. Come if you like, you know. And, uh, you know, actually I didn't tell them to come if they like because they already know they can come if they like. Think about the things that your friends say to you and you talk about with them. Think about the things that you say to yourself. When we are inundated with the negative, we focus on it and we create those negative neural pathways in our brain. The negative thoughts, the negative people, the criticism, 
It takes our focus. And all of that becomes a habit for you and for me. It becomes our default posture and we assume everything's going to be bad and then it's going to get worse. You can't trust anybody. Everybody's out to get you. Never going to accomplish anything. I'm never going to be happy. Nothing matters. It's a pretty negative sermon, isn't it? Thanks for laughing. I appreciate that. Lots of study has been done around the relationship between negative thinking and depression. And there's a question that they, they try to answer is, does negative thinking lead to depression or does depression lead to negative thinking? I think I've figured it out. The answer is yes. Yeah. Depression can lead to habitual negative thoughts, but often depression results from negative thinking. That's called cognitive distortion. That's a concept that, or that's the principle behind the concept of cognitive therapy, that if we think something often enough, we begin to believe that it's true and our feelings match what we're thinking about ourselves. So you're probably sitting there right now. If you've been in church all your life and everything and you know it's about the Bible, you're thinking, well, hang on a minute. Where's the Bible? And what in the world does this have to do with finding peace? Anybody thinking that right now? Thanks for not saying so. Thank you. Okay, good, good. Well, Isaiah chapter 26 says this. You, speaking to God, Isaiah was, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you all whose thoughts are fixed on you. That's what it has to do with finding peace because your thoughts are a superpower and Isaiah tells us that God will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on him. So we're back to Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. First thing we need to do, if we're gonna find peace, if we're gonna have peace in our lives in regards to our thinking, we need to guard our thinking. Guard your thinking. There are some categories of harm, harmful thinking. The cognitive distortions that I was talking about earlier and a few things that we need to guard against. First one of those is absolute filtering. Absolute filtering. That means you see everything as black and white. It's either black or it's white. There's no gray area anywhere. It's characterized by absolute terms like always, never, forever, right? You've ever been told never say never, right? So when we start using words like always, we're, we're generally speaking, we're never correct when we use the word always or never. It leads to extremes like this. You apply for a job promotion. And you don't get it. So then your thought is, I'm a failure and I'm never going to advance in this company or in any role in life. I'm a loser. That's how that works. It's also uh, uh, coupled with should statements. Anybody say things should be this way? Right? You have an extreme opinion about how things should be. And if things aren't as they should be, then you think that it's wrong. That's negative thinking. That's absolute thinking. And that's not allowing any gray in there at all. The other filtering or the next filtering is pessimistic filtering. Where you view everything as negative. You focus on bad events to the exclusion of positive events. 
when our kids were in school, that we would pick them up for after school and uh, they would uh, certainly have had an awful day, right? Anybody's kids never have an awful day, or, or, right? It's always awful, right? And I just said, don't say always, because that's absolute. <sighs> we would tell our kids, okay, give me three positive things that happened today. Tell me three good things about your day to try to flip that, to try to get them thinking, okay, there was good things that happened today. There were good things that happened today. And you need to not exclude those. Pessimistic thinking also goes to catastrophizing, to, say, to seeing what the end is going to be and making sure that that's bad. It's fortune-telling kind of thing. I had a nickname when I was early days of ministry. They called me Armageddon. Because when the leadership would say, hey, we want to do this thing, I had the ability to look five and ten years into the future and tell them why it wasn't going to be a good thing. I thought that was discernment, all right? But it potentially was some pessimistic thinking there. This pessimistic thinking also controls you because you look at your past, and if you had a failure in the past, you assume that failure into the future, and it stops you from trying anymore. This kind of thinking maximizes faults and minimizes successes. Then another filter here, personalized filtering. It's blaming. Blaming both yourself and others. Making everything about you. If your kid is not doing well in school, then you're a bad parent. Anybody think like that? Don't raise your hands. Or you're always a victim. You blame everyone else for what happens to you. Okay, That's personalizing everything and blaming others for what happens. It plays out in the victim thinking as well as your own thinking about your negative self. And then finally, another filter, cynical filtering. Cynical filtering. I call that mind reading. Okay, It's when I look at you and I know what you're thinking. Stop thinking that Okay, about me. Right? Anybody do that? Right? Husbands, wives, spouses? Right? right? I know what you're thinking about me. No, you don't. You're not a mind reader. Stop trying to read minds. Give people grace and accept what they're saying, not what you think that they're meaning. We assume the worst about people when we're cynical, that they're always out to get us and it's negative. So Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, guard your thoughts. Proverbs 23, verse 4. Paul said the same thing in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. He says this, you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So Paul says the same thing that Solomon did in Proverbs, talking about our thinking and guarding our thinking. And he says the outcome, the result, is peace. You want to live in peace, guard your thinking. So we guard our thinking, but then Paul continues in that same text. In verse 8, he says this, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He says, you have peace if you guard your thoughts, and here's what you need to think about. And then he says this, verse 9, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, 
then the God of peace will be with you. Not only do we need to guard, guard our thinking, but we need to guide our thinking. When he says to fix your thoughts, that word means to guide your thoughts, to direct your thoughts. You tell your thoughts where to go. Don't let them go where they want to by themselves. You control those. You're guarding them against all that negative stuff, but then you need to guide them somewhere else. And Paul says, think about the things that are true. That's reality, not fantasy, not what our cynicism leads us to, not what I imagine to be reality, not the fortune telling and the mind reading. It's what is true. What is absolute? What can we count on? And then he says, honorable, right, and pure. Those are respectable, has to do with justice and, and uh, high moral standards. Whatever things are lovely, what brings joy? Think about those kinds of things. Admirable and excellent, things that are well, well spoken of and worthy of praise. And then he says, keep putting those things into practice. Remember the cognitive uh, flow there? It starts with thinking. Where does it end? With doing. He says, think about all these things. Put your mind on these things and then do. Then follow those thoughts and put those into actions. Put them into practice. And that, my friends, results in peace. The same author, the Apostle Paul in Romans, in the book of Romans, says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life. And there's our word, peace. Did you know you get to choose your mindset? You see that? The flesh or the Spirit? If we're guided by the flesh, that leads to death. Now, what are we talking about when we talk about the flesh? We're talking about our skin? No, we're not talking about our skin. We're talking about our sinful nature, our sinful desires, our natural leanings and our natural bent. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the flesh. When we say we're guided by the Spirit, well, that produces life and peace, and that's allowing the Spirit of God to control us, the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in our lives. And it says if you're guided by the flesh... That's going to lead to death. If you're guided by the Spirit, that's going to bring life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is death. Think about the desires. Think about the, the, the natural tendencies. Go back to the news you consume. Think about the shows that you watch, the lyrics to the music that you listen to over and 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 over again. Look at your playlist and over and over and over again. Those things are influencing your thoughts. Think about the social media you consume that makes you feel left out or less than or jealous because you're looking at other people's highlight reels. Think about the people you spend your time with, the people you're allowing to have input into your life regularly. See, all of those things create an inner script that directs our life. Because it's directing our thoughts and our thoughts direct our life. So the question that you're gonna have to wrestle with is, are these things and many more building you up? Are they causing you to think in the right direction or are they tearing you down? 
Your thoughts are a superpower. What are you allowing to influence your thinking? At the risk of potentially offending or being accused of over-spiritualizing this whole thing, if you find yourself hurting, feeling broken, often being discouraged, could it be that your mindset needs to shift? That you need to be controlled by the Spirit rather than the flesh? As your pastor, I love you, I care about you, and it would be remiss of me not to at least encourage you to think about that. Is this a spiritual problem? We're whole people, physical, mental, psychological, and spiritual. Where is your focus? So you might be sitting there thinking, okay, that's fine, but can we actually change the way we think? Yes, but it's not easy. There was an interesting study that was done. Some researchers introduced an imaginary surgical procedure, and they got two groups. And one group, they, uh, they shared with both groups what the uh, chances were of the surgery being a success, okay? And for the one group, they said, okay, this surgery has a 70% chance of being a success. Do you think this is a good surgery? And most of the people in that group said, yeah, 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 that's really good. So then the other group, they said, okay, this surgery has a 30% chance of failure. Do you think this is a good surgery? And what do you think they said? said, No, that's not a good surgery. So then they said, here was the real test. They wanted to see if it was possible to change the thinking. Okay, so they went back to the the group that said it was good, that they'd led with 70%, and then they changed the narrative. They said, okay, it's 70% positive that it it might be a success, but there's a 30% chance it won't. Do you still think it's a good surgery? What do you think those people did? They flipped. The majority of the people who thought it was a good surgery flipped and said, nah, it's a bad surgery, just because the narrative changed. They went to the group that thought it was a bad surgery, and they said, okay, you thought it was bad at 30% you know, failure rate. What if we told you it's a 70% chance of success? What do you think those people said? No, it's still a bad surgery. It's still a bad surgery. That negative neural pathway was there. They had already decided the negative was more powerful. So when you think about changing your perspective, We can see that it can be changed, but to change from negative to positive is not natural. And when something is not natural, what do we need to help us change? We need some supernatural help, right? Yeah, you already knew that, right? You might need a little extra work and you might need some supernatural help. Anyone interested in how we do that? Okay, all right. Just wanna make sure before I keep going. Romans chapter 12 says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This verse is massively powerful. It tells us that we need to grow our thinking We're gonna guard our thinking. We're gonna guide our thinking. Now we're gonna grow our thinking. But look how powerful this verse is. There's two words I wanna point out to you. Two words here that I wanna emphasize. The word don't and then the word let. Where did it go? There it is, let. Don't and let. 
Those are the two most powerful words in that verse because they tell us that we are to allow something or not allow something. It tells you that you are in control. It tells you you have a decision to make. It says, Paul's talking to believers here. It says, don't copy the world's behavior. Remember, the behavior comes from what? Our thinking. So don't copy the world's thinking that's going to lead to the world's behavior. He's talking about expressing something outwardly that's not true inwardly to the people he's talking to. You're believers. You're followers of Jesus, and it's not looking like that. Don't copy the ways of the world. Don't allow yourself to behave like someone you're not, but let allow God to transform you. That word transform means metamorphosis, to go from one thing to another, for it to be expressed differently. Just like the copy, don't, uh, or the word uh, copy there, don't allow this to happen is what he's saying. We've got to allow ourselves to be changed by changing the way that you think. That's how God changes us. The word change means to renovate. Anybody ever do a home renovation? And you start in one room because it was the worst room and it was awful. The rest of the house was okay, right? What happened after you changed that one room? Was the rest of the house okay still? No. And you have to keep renovating. It's kind of like that in our lives. When we allow God to change something, then it actually leads to, oh, wow, he changed that. Oh, maybe this needs to change as well. And we let him keep working. We let him keep changing You know, the way we think is ridiculously powerful. I am so convinced of that. I'm more convinced of that than just about anything else other than the the death and resurrection of Jesus that we trust in. Our thinking is so powerful. Transformed thinking leads to a transformed life. If you want your life to change, allow God to change the way you think, people that are online, please, and people in the room. How does God transform us? How does he change our thinking? How does any thinking get changed? I would suggest to you our thinking changes when our thinking is challenged. When we learn something, when we get more information, when we get new information, when our thinking is challenged, our thinking can be changed. Without our thinking being challenged, it can't be. So we need different information. And I'm gonna go to Joshua chapter one in verse eight. And this is how we change our thinking. There's a word called meditate. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. We need to be meditating on God's word. And if you want to know how to meditate, we can learn a lot from a cow. Okay, when we were in South Asia, there was cows all over the place because they are uh, kind of uh, uh, holy creatures, right? You do, you, can we have the cow, please? Thank you. Thank you for the cow. So when a cow eats, takes a mouthful of grass, and it chews it and chews it and chews it, right? And then it swallows it, right? And some of you already know this, okay? I'm not uh, educating you, but some of you may not. After it swallows it, it goes... <laughs> right? It throws it back up into its mouth. And then it chews it some more. And then it swallows it. And then guess what? It goes, yeah. Am I making anyone sick yet? Yeah. And then it chews it some more and more. And it does that over and over and over again. You know why it's doing that? 
Because it wants to mine every nutrient out of that grass. It wants to refine the, the, the stuff in the grass so that it gets it the most nutrients. That's a picture of how we need to treat the Word of God. When we are reading the Word of God, when we're studying the Word of God, we, we take it in, but then keep it with you through the day. and Keep bringing it back up and thinking about it a little bit more and seeing what, what, what different situations you might find yourself in might actually frame that passage you read just a little bit differently. And then can I encourage you as you're meditating, one of the ways to meditate is to memorize. If you memorize scripture, then you can bring it up all the time, right? Because it's there. Changing our thinking requires a change of input, friends. Your thoughts are massively, massively powerful. You've heard of the power of positive thinking. That gets a really bad rap. That's a negative connotation because there was a book written about it that was rubbish, and don't go read that book because it's rubbish. But the power of negative thinking, I would suggest, is way more powerful to destroy your life than the power of positive thinking because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So question today, is it time for a change? While your thoughts are powerful, you have power over where your thoughts take you. So you need to guard your thinking. You need to stop the absolute filtering and the should statements. Stop shooting on everyone all the time. Stop the pessimistic thinking and the filtering. Stop personalizing everything. It's not all about you. And stop the cynicism, thinking the worst about people. And then guide your thinking. Think on the positive things. Think on things that are excellent, worthy of praise. Choose the mindset you want, the one led by the flesh, the one led by the Spirit. And then grow your thinking. Stop thinking like the world and let God transform you by changing your thinking, by getting into his word. We need to flip the script here. Question for you. Who are you hanging out with? Do you need to take a social media break? What are you allowing to have input into your life continually? And where is it leading you? You want to see how this affects people. In Numbers chapter 13, we have the account where Moses sent some spies into the land of Canaan. Sent 12 of them in. And they were sussing out the land to see uh, if it was worth trying to take, even though God had already said, take the land. Ten spies came back and said, the land is amazing, but. Do you know that your heart is on the right side of your butt? Whatever you say after but, that's where your heart is. They said this. They said, the people that live there are powerful. The cities are fortified. And we even saw giants there. We can't do it. Then Caleb stands up. And he tried to quiet the people because it was kind of chaotic then. And he said, let's go at once. We can certainly conquer it. See the difference in thinking? What was the difference? Caleb knew who had told him to go conquer it. And then, remember David and Goliath? With David and Goliath, David took his brothers some food, and then he figured out what was going on. Goliath's coming out every day and taunting Israel. And David said, what's going on here? Well, his brother Eliab said, you're just a kid. What are you doing here? You don't belong here. And then he went to Saul and said, hey, hey, I'm your man. I'll take care of it. And Saul said, can't fight Goliath and possibly win. 
you're only a boy. People spoke negativity into David's life, but David said, I've taken care of sheep and I've killed lions, I've killed bears, I've rescued them from the mouths of lions and bears and I'm gonna do the same thing to that giant. People spoke negativity into his life and he said, no, the God I serve will give me victory over the, the giant. So people may have spoken negative things over you in the past. But you know what the good news is? People don't determine your future. God does. God does. And you need to use your superpower of thought to put your thoughts on Him. Fix your thoughts on Him and the truths that you know come from Him and are in His Word. Let that dominate your thinking. And then, all the things that have been, maybe have been spoken over you negatively or you've just allowed because you have negative conversations with your friends all the time or your social media or your newsfeed and all those things will shift away because you're focused on what is true. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for our time together. and Thank you for giving us the ability to think. Thank you for the power that that has. Thank you that you are not silent about these things, Lord. As we're looking at finding peace and looking at the psychological and emotional stuff and, uh, Lord, the, the physical and the spiritual, Lord, I pray that you would keep guiding us into the, these truths that we find in your word that are, are so clear. Lord, you care about our brain. You care what we do with our thinking. Thank you so much for telling us how to do that and for making that real for us. And Lord, help us now. Lord, it's, we, we, we've discovered this morning, it is not easy to change the way we think. It's not easy to get past the negativity bias. Lord, our neural pathways may be running deep. There may be people here that need to go and get further help than just a spiritual sermon about it. They may need more help for that. But Lord, I pray that you, by your spirit, would start that work in us. You would stir us to a place where we don't want to think that way anymore, where we don't allow all the negative input into our lives. And Lord, that we flip the script and we fix our thoughts on you because you alone are worthy of our praise. You are excellent. You are praiseworthy. You are true. You are honorable. You're admirable. You're the things we need to think about. Thank you, Lord, for your word today in Jesus' name.